Coming up this week, McDonald's to add 1,000 EV charging points. Japan says no to gas cars. Is Apple really going to build their own EV? And more. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 46 of the EV Resource Podcast. I'm Zach Hurst, and each week I bring you the latest EV news, information, and answer your questions about electric vehicles. Before we get started with the news this week, I want to thank our podcast partner, Titan Auto and Tire in Mosley, Virginia, for their support. Titan is one of the very few independent shops in Central Virginia that are qualified to work on EVs, and from hybrids to Hummers, they fix everything. For more information and to schedule an appointment for your vehicle, go to TitanAutoTire.com. That's TitanAutoTire.com. Looks like someone at McDonald's has caught on to the need for EV charging. McDonald's Deutschland and EWE Go announced a joint electrification project which will result in the installation of charging points at over 1,000 restaurants in Germany by 2025. According to Inside EVs, it's not bad timing either, especially since close to 30,000 new battery electric vehicles were registered in a single month this past November. McDonald's will be able to attract EV buyers who will be able to combine the stop at the restaurant with recharging. EWE Go already has installed chargers with a power output of up to 150 kilowatts at over 40 McDonald's sites. And according to the plan, 200 more locations will be electrified in 2021, 250 in 2022, and 1,000 by 2025. It's not known at this point whether all of them will be DC chargers or a few mixed with AC level 2, but all of the charging points will be powered with 100% renewable electricity. EWE Go already has about 500 charging locations in Germany currently, so this new project will probably become the biggest element of their network. McDonald's is installing charging points also in other European markets, but there's no news at this point of an expansion to North America, which would be smart of them even if it was only level 2 AC charging points. Next, Bogota, Colombia has received a massive order of electric buses. BYD announced the delivery of 470 pure electric buses. This is the country's largest electric bus fleet and also the largest bus fleet BYD has ever delivered in the Americas, which will effectively promote the already fast-growing electrified public transport systems in Colombia, Latin America, and the entire North and South American continents. The Bogota City Government and Bogota City Public Transport Authority held a grand launch and delivery ceremony for the first batch of 120 buses. This batch of buses will be delivered to nine bus routes across the city on December 26, 2020, and will serve approximately 69,300 passengers along the routes. The remaining 350 units will be put on the other 30 routes during the first quarter of 2021, by which time a total of 302,000 passengers can enjoy the zero-emission bus service. BusinessWire reports that the first 120 buses include 12-meter and 9-meter models with a passenger capacity of 80 and 50 people, respectively. They take 1.5 to 2.5 hours to fully charge with a cruising range that exceeds 300 kilometers on a single charge, which can easily meet the bus's daily operating mileage of 260 kilometers. Compared with diesel buses, BYD's pure electric bus fleet will save 12,500 tons of carbon dioxide and 2.5 tons of dust particles and particulate matter from being emitted every year. 
Now, last week I spoke about Toyota's CEO and his criticism of EVs. And while it would appear that his comments have fallen on deaf ears, the Wall Street Journal published an exciting report that Japan has now said it plans to stop the sale of new gasoline-powered cars by the mid-2030s, bucking the criticism by Toyota's chief that a rapid shift to electric vehicles could cripple the car industry. This plan followed similar moves by the state of California and major European nations in that Japan would still permit the sale of hybrid gas electric cars after 2035 under their plan. Many models from Japan's top car makers, Toyota, Honda, and Nissan, come in both traditional and hybrid versions. The Japanese government's Christmas Day release, which also targets adding as much as 45 gigawatts of offshore wind capacity by 2040, calls for all new cars sold in the country from the mid-2030s onward to be electrified. That includes electric vehicles, hybrid gas electric models, and cars whose electricity is generated by hydrogen fuel cells. The plan says the cost of batteries should be reduced so that EVs cost about the same as gas-powered vehicles a decade from now. An outline of the plan released by the Ministry of Economy expressed concern that Europe and China were jumping ahead of Japan. It observed that sales of electric and plug-in vehicles more than tripled in the EU in the July to September quarter to around 270,000 units, while the equivalent figure in Japan was about 6,000. Toyota and Honda have yet to release specific plans for mass-market electric vehicles in the U.S. and Japan, putting them behind the likes of Volkswagen, which plans to invest around $86 billion in developing EVs and other new technologies over the next five years. Nissan is somewhat of an exception when it comes to Japanese automakers. They are going to sell the Aria, an electric crossover SUV, next year in the U.S. and other markets. And it's not that Toyota isn't planning on making EVs at all. I mean, I talked about their announcement that they're going to announce <laughs> uh, an EV SUV at some point, uh, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. Um, you know, it, it's all talk, but they are making other EVs. Um, it's just their efforts so far have been severely lacking. Take into account this example. Toyota is planning to introduce a two-seater compact electric vehicle next year, according to Nikkei Asia. Will this be a revolutionary breakout EV that Toyota so desperately needs to compete with the EV giant Tesla and other European automakers? Well, no. Toyota has set for this small little city car, or K-car as they're called in Japan, an initial sales target of around 100 vehicles. Yeah, 100. That's it. <laughs> 100 vehicles for business clients and local governments. Maybe, maybe Toyota wanted to join the EV revolution with a different vehicle. I mean, after all, they released their first commercial EV that's supposed to be, you know, available to the mass market, the Lexus uh, branded UX300E in China and Europe this year. And that has a range of 367 kilometers and has been available in Japan by lottery only since October, but in tiny numbers. In Japan, 135 vehicles. So it's obvious they've been dragging their feet, and, and you can probably hear the disappointment in my voice. I grew up, you know, when I was a teenager, idolizing Toyotas and Hondas. Most of the vehicles I've ever owned in my life have been Toyota and Honda. I had a lot of respect for both companies until my passion for EVs grew and theirs didn't. 
So it's heartbreaking in a way that the biggest automaker in terms of volume in the world isn't really trying. So will Toyota be able to catch up to nearly everybody else? I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to wonder if they seriously even want to. Helping to launch a new generation of zero exhaust emissions products, a leading French contractor took delivery last week of an all-electric Volvo construction equipment electric truck with electrically powered crane and a Volvo ECR25 electric compact excavator, becoming the first recipient of those products in France. The machines will support their low-carbon strategy and be put to work on the ambitious Grand Paris Express Transport Project in the French capital. The handover of these first all-electric products was marked with a small ceremony in Paris. It's a short story, but I don't want to minimize the impact that electrifying the construction industry will have especially in cities where there's noise and pollution, if we can eliminate those on construction sites, not only does that allow the surrounding area to be less impacted by any kind of construction going on, but it also means that if there's construction that needs to happen inside a building, you can actually use this equipment inside where if you had a gas or diesel-powered excavator, for example, you there's no way you could use that inside. Well, now they can. And where there's bans on noise after certain hours, they could probably expand the number of hours they're able to work in any given day and get jobs done faster. And that's just a couple of ideas when it comes to electrifying the construction industry. So it's a short story, but man, is that going to be significantly impactful globally when we see more and more companies like Volvo, and I know Cat or Caterpillar uh, is planning electric options as well. This is ultimately going to be a lot bigger than it might seem today. Okay, so let's talk about this Apple EV rumor for a little bit, shall we? Apple seems to be moving forward with their self-driving car technology and the electric vehicle technology and according to Reuters, is targeting 2024 to produce a passenger vehicle that could include its own breakthrough battery technology. Uh, And I say that with a healthy dose of skepticism. (laughs) Now, Apple's automotive efforts, which has been known now as Project Titan, have proceeded uneventfully since 2014 when it first started to design its own vehicle from scratch. And at one point, Apple drew back the effort to focus on software and reassessed its goals. Doug Field, an Apple veteran who had worked at Tesla, returned then to oversee the project in 2018 and laid off 190 people from the team in 2019. So since then, Apple has progressed enough that it now aims to build a vehicle for consumers, two people with the effort have said, and and they asked not to be named because Apple's plans are not public. Well, they are now, Apple. (laughs) That's the way leaks work. Um, Apple's goal of building a personal vehicle for mass market contrasts with rivals such as Waymo, which has built robo-taxis to carry passengers for driverless ride-hailing service. And central to Apple's strategy seems to be a new battery design which can radically reduce the cost of batteries and increase the vehicle's range, according to a third person who's seen Apple's battery design. But what we've learned about that is they're just planning on using uh, LFP or a lithium iron battery, which 
That's not new. That's not revolutionary. Tesla has been doing that in the standard range Model 3 in China. And the other part of the battery uh, design, if you will, that's it's supposed to be revolutionary is that they're eliminating the pouches and modules to hold the battery materials. They're planning on using a unique, what they're calling monocell design that bulks up the individual cells in the battery and frees up space in the battery pack. Well, once again, those of us who are familiar with Tesla's plans, that should sound like what they talked about with the 4680 cells for the uh, upcoming Model Y in Germany, using the cells themselves to strengthen the chassis and eliminate the need for different battery pack modules. So I'm holding back a little bit because it's all talk. I mean, that seems to be a lot of the revolutionary battery breakthroughs tend to be all talk. So we'll see. Lithium iron phosphate batteries are not new. It's not next level, but Apple making a car certainly would be revolutionary. I mean, people said that Apple couldn't get into the phone business because they were a computer company. Well, now it's safe to say that the iPhone actually saved the company. So could it be that they're just looking at tapping into another potentially massive market? I mean, they got us to buy $1,000 computers, basically, every few years. Well, can they get us to buy mobile computers, which that's really what cars are these days, uh, every five years or so from Apple? I think there's potential there. They certainly have the money to do it, they, but they also have enough money that they could throw a lot at a project like this and then turn around and walk away from it completely, which I know they've done for other projects in the past. So come 2024 or 2025, will we see an Apple car on the road? Mm, I think it's still way too early to tell. To turn a profit, they would have to have a very large volume of cars that they're making, and they're not going to do that themselves. Um, Apple had previously talked to Magna International, which I've mentioned before on the podcast. They make the iPace, and also they're planning on making the Fisker Ocean, uh, and a bunch of other cars too, by the way. I mean, it's not like they're only focused on, on EVs. They make a lot of other things. So they could lean on Magna to build the cars for them, but... I don't know. I mean, as with any announcement of a new EV or plans to make an EV or anything honestly in the EV world ever, comparisons to Tesla are made. So you say, well, you know, even if they come out with something in 2025, it's not going to be as good as what Tesla is doing in 2025. And, you know, I'm I'm just not going to jump on that bandwagon, though. Tesla will do Tesla. And there's certainly a strong argument that they are going to be better than every other EV out there always, because they're continually improving. Their rate of improvement is so much faster than any other automaker. But Tesla will do Tesla, and other automakers will do what they do, and people will buy both. And so maybe we'll see five years from now, Apple jumping into yet another market. But honestly, if that means that less gas and diesel cars will be on the road, then hey, you know what? The more the merrier. And one new EV startup hopes that they have an option that people will want as well the Alpha Motor Corporation's Ace. Motor Trend says it's retro-inspired without being a recreation of any one thing. That puts it in a different category from the ever-growing number of classic EV conversions, those that are very cool, but not really an endgame. They're just being built to preserve history, if you will. The Alpha Motor Corporation's Ace, despite looking classic, 
is something entirely new. Alpha describes it as an urban runabout, and it's 165 inches long overall, which actually is very short. That puts it nearly a foot shorter than the Nissan Leaf, and only within a few inches of the Mini Cooper Clubman. So it's small, but not so small as to be a non-starter. Its claimed range is ambitious, 250 miles or more, but at this point, we don't have battery capacity specs or motor output figures, so we've just got a good look at the car, and that's basically it. And it's got a lot of charm. We'll see if its charming lines and proportions translate into an ongoing enterprise, but regardless of if Alpha Motor succeeds, we are seeing a growing number of EVs with presence and character, and that is not a bad thing. So 2020 wasn't a breakout year for EVs. Now, granted, the global pandemic certainly affected much of the plans for the year in many, many ways. However, even with all of the struggles that we've all felt, there have been many great EVs available to this market. For our pick of the North American EV of the year, we decided to focus only on cars that you could buy and take delivery of this year in North America. So, for example, the Hummer, you could order the Hummer, but you're not getting a Hummer this year. So that was not something we took into account. So in that way, if a car was announced but not yet offered for sale, well, we'll consider it next year or or later. So some of the cars we did consider, uh, of course, are the the Chevy Bolt and Nissan Leaf, you know, ones that have been out for a while, uh, the Audi e-tron and Jaguar I-Pace, the Mini Electric, the Fiat 500e, uh, Hyundai and Kia, their EV offerings, the Porsche Taycan, the BMW i3, which is a great car, um, and then also the Model S, 3X, and Y from Tesla. Now, when thinking about what to choose for uh, the best, there are a lot of angles to take into account. Like, what's the most affordable? What's the best looking? What is the fastest or best performing? Uh, What's most well-built? You know, build quality does come up when talking about EVs. And ultimately, what is likely to make the biggest impact on the EV world going forwards? And and many others. So taking all of those into account, we decided to go with the Tesla Model Y. And we did that because it's moderately affordable, it's practical, it and it's well suited to the number one target market in North America at this point, which is all SUVs and crossovers. It has plenty of power and performance, and it will certainly sell more models this year than any other EV, excepting maybe uh, its sibling, the Model 3. And when you consider what impact the Model Y will have to pushing the EV world forward, it's really in a league of its own. It is the vehicle that other automakers fear. We are seeing that other automakers are trying to mimic the Model Y, case in point, the Ford Mach-E. From exterior design, interior design, uh, performance numbers and specs, the Mach-E Mustang SUV and the Model Y are very, very similar. And I think Ford did that on purpose. You know, the Model Y is the benchmark for every other automaker at this point, to build a successful EV. If Ford hadn't have done that, I don't think I would be as enthusiastic about the Mach-E as as I am. I mean, it looks like it's going to be a really great car. And there are a lot of great EVs for all different markets this year. And honestly, we applaud all of them. 
having an EV on the road is better than having an ICE vehicle on the road. So there isn't a bad EV when it comes to that consideration. So there you go. North American EV of the year for 2020, the Tesla Model Y. And actually, next week, I'm actually going to outline what I'm most excited about for next year, for 2021, which will definitely, definitely be a stellar, stellar year for EVs. So that's your show this week. I want to thank all of you that support EV Resource. Uh, Even if it's just listening or sharing the podcast with your friends or the magazine, uh, share it. Get it out there. The more people that know the great, great things going on in the EV world, the better. I want to especially thank all of our Patreon supporters. Without your support, it would make this very difficult to do week after week and certainly take the time to put the magazine out there. So thank you so much. Uh, Our Patreon executive producer is Tom Wiggins. If you want to support us on Patreon... You can find us there at patreon.com slash evresource. So super easy to find. I invite all of your feedback via email to hello at ev-resource.com. Or you can leave a comment on the YouTube channel. This week, there will not be a YouTube video of the podcast. But uh, don't forget to subscribe. That way, the future shows, uh, podcast and otherwise, on YouTube, you can find those. You'll get a notification about it. You don't have to worry about it. And also subscribe on your podcast platform if you are listening to this so that next week and the week after that will get delivered to you automatically. You don't have to go searching around for the EV Resource podcasts. If you want to look at any of the YouTube videos of the previous shows or just listen to them, you can find them on, of course, YouTube and also on the, our webpage under the podcast section and on many of the major podcast platforms. So if you've made it this far through, thank you so much for being with me. Happy New Year, of course, to all of you. Be safe, and I'll catch you next week. Bye.